Warning, the Federal Communications Commission requires that we inform you that this episode of the Derek Duvall Show may contain content inappropriate for children. Listener discretion is advised. The FCC also requires us to inform you that this episode may contain the words f***, s***, asshole, mother boy, dumpster, galloping quit, but in like a British way, and also, strangely, cul-de-sac. Once again, this show may contain content not suitable for anyone but the coolest children. Listener discretion is advised. Powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hi. Thank you. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before I want to jump into the episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Dr. Tamia Aldad. What a great episode, and I want to thank him again for being such a cool guest. The episode got a lot of positive feedback, and some even reached out to me that hearing the red flags for a potential suicide in a family member or friend, it led them to reach out to that person and let them know that they were there to help. Folks, if you haven't heard the interview... I encourage you to seek it out after the conclusion of this episode. All right, so welcome to episode 118. We've got a hell of a cool episode for you today. In the nearly four years I've been doing this show, I always challenge myself to think outside the box in terms of guests I get. And let me tell you, folks, this one is awesome. We have on the show today Florian Kohler, an 11-time Guinness World Record holder for pool trick shots. That's right, folks. Venom himself is on the show, and we'll be covering such topics as how he got started in doing trick shots on a pool table, talking about his various world records that he currently holds, the founding of Venom trick shots, and answering the age-old question of which pool game is hard to play, and so much more. This is a very in-depth episode, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So, you know what? Let's just go ahead and get him on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada, the 11-time Guinness World Champion, Venom himself, Florian Kohler. Hello, welcome to the Derek Duval Show. How was the weather out by you today? Uh, it's not too bad. I mean, it's a little gray, though, but uh, not not the greatest. But, you know, we're, we're not complaining in Vegas. I mean, when it's bad, it's nothing compared to you everywhere else, so... <laughs> so I start my interviews off the same way. And how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic up to this point? You know, it's been very interesting. It's hard to say, you know, my career is like kind of all over the place. A lot of different bits and pieces putting together. So one aspect was totally shut down, which is the live shows. So, you know, going from in 2020, probably, uh, or 2000, yeah, 2019, whatever, maybe like 100 flights to, you know, pretty much zero. So that was kind of interesting. 
But other than that, you know, as far as social media goes, I mean, that was basically just business as usual. Now, I also have several other business. One of them is a pool league. So that, you know, was shut down too, which was uh, tricky as well. But altogether, you know, I think uh, I think it navigated all right. And uh, just came back real strong afterward, in my opinion. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? What was it like to grow up there? Born in France, uh, East France, a city called Mühlhaus, literally right, uh, right by the German border and the Switzerland border, about 15 minutes from each country. I mean, it's, it's a good place. It's solid. You know, it's a medium-sized city. I would say anything fancy, nothing special, but um, you know, good atmosphere, nothing to really complain about. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I have no regret from my childhood, really. I mean, I thought I was pretty decent for what I had. The only thing, you know, it was uh, it's kind of just a smaller vibe, so people don't really have uh, too, too much expectation, I would say, in life, right? And uh, you kind of expect to just do whatever uh, whatever happens uh, locally. And uh, yeah, just it wasn't me. So that, that's why I had to leave. <laughs> Fair enough. So I read that you came into the game of pool at a relatively older age than most others, being 18. Can you walk my listeners through getting that first table? Yeah, so that was a very interesting. I've always liked pool. I had an uncle that had a pool table, uh, you know, a small pool table in the basement. Every time we went there, it was just what we did. But, you know, it was just never anything else or a few bowling alleys here and there. And then, uh, so I was going to be 18 or right there, 17, 18, whatever. I um, had my birthday in July and I had my, um, it's like the, the end of, uh, of the school thing, you know, exam. So I got it. So I was like, yeah, hey, can I get a, a pool table, you know, for, uh, for a gift or whatever, right? And we just heard of that on the radio, which was back then, it was a 200 euro table. Somebody was trying to get rid of it. It's like, yeah, let's go get it. You know, we got plenty of space. And uh, so my dad was pretty okay with that because that was going to, you know, be fun for him too. And then, uh, so once we get this table there, you know, I don't know how to play pool at all. There's no, um, you know, there's no real, I have no real clue at it. So what I do, I look at videos on the internet. Uh, you know, it was the first, uh, I know it's hard to imagine, but it was the beginning of YouTube. So very short content and uh, kind of fast paced because, you know, we didn't have the bandwidth to really go for long tutorials or anything like that. And uh, so I see those videos on online for trick shots, pull trick shots, the very few first ones, right? And see a few guys buy a couple of books and try to redo a few shots. And I'm like, I'm going to learn pool just by doing the trick shot stuff, right? I did in a way and I didn't, I didn't in, in a way as well, right? So uh, maybe six months later to a year, I knew all the trick shots they've been doing the last 30 years. I just, you know, it kind of just took on, I just took it on real quick. Funny thing is I never really learned to play normal pool. I just learned to play trick shots straight up at a very high level right away. So after this year, I, I wanted to do my own videos, did my first thing, posted a few videos here and there on YouTube. You know, a few, a uh, couple of years later, maybe even less, you know, got a couple of virals in and that was just, uh, you know, just exploded from there. Uh, funny fact is I only learned pool basically a couple of years after, like real pool. So I do have to ask you, do you remember the very first trick shot you ever tried to attempt? No, uh, I, I don't really believe so. I mean, it's probably something very stupid or very lame. Uh, maybe I could jump rail or something like that. But I know fairness, you got to start somewhere. And the funny thing, though, is for me, there is no lie. The whole story has been documented since day one, right? So as soon as I posted that video number one, it's on YouTube and it's been on YouTube for the last 15 years, really, right? So people can actually go and if, if they have the will to do it, they'll find the very first one and uh, one of them will be in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So where did the nickname Venom come from? So that's uh, interesting. So it's not superhero related. It's got nothing to do with Spider-Man. Uh, so when you first get this pool table and you start to practice trick shot, it's very um, damaging for the table, right? It's a little bit uh, it's a little more extreme than normal pool, right? So 
especially when you start, you start to dig a few holes here and there and the table very quickly looks uh, pretty bad. Yeah, I was just in France. I remember my dad says I'm a poison for the table. It's pretty pissed off because he couldn't play on it no more. And so, uh, and then I told the story when I started to move uh, to the U.S. or whatever, and uh, and people was like, "Oh, Venom is perfect," you know. And I was like, "Okay, cool, that works for me," and uh, that's the way it worked because Poison just didn't sound as good. Fair enough. So, what <laughs> led you to found Venom Trick Shots Corporation? Yeah, so you know, again, very organically. So I started these videos one after another. You know, maybe 20 videos later, you know, it gets a lot of views. Then start uh, making a, vi- a DVD out of it. And uh, we're like, okay, so we're gonna sell a, a DVD, right? It was the thing back then, people were buying DVDs. But the funny thing is uh, we spent a lot of money on it, pretty much everything we had was the, the guy that, you know, uh, recorded it. And it was it was a very, um, very advanced, very epic, you know, video too, very, a lot, lot of blood and uh, sweat and tears, you know what I mean? But uh, first thing we know is like, we, we go for it for sale a week later, uh, some guy in China uh, take the take the thing and put it on on the internet, and the uh, next thing we know, it's got a hundred million views. So here we are, you know, thinking we missed a hundred million sales, right? But which realistically we never did. However, what it did is it really uh, skyrocketed my career, and it just you know went from there. It just uh, it just never really stopped. So organically, you know, just the company gets bigger, different things, and you know, it just uh, yeah, there's no real beginning, there's no real end. It's just kind of all. A blur together, really. What's the trick shot community like? Are you guys pretty tight knit? Are you all learning from each other? You know, it's uh, it's, it's very interesting as well. So, think about a niche sport, right? It's a very small sport. I always like to say I'm here at the beginning. It's kind of like uh, you know, like the people, the kids. They all see the guy that does a backflip and a, and a bicycle, right? Great. Now, chances are he'll never do a backflip and a bicycle, but he'll probably pick up cycling, right? Who knows? Maybe I'll, you know, I'll go and then do BMX or mountain bike or whatever, right? So it's sort of the same aspect that I have in my sport. So we're just kind of the forefront, and then the rest is up to the other player, right? So there's uh, there's always been this misunderstanding that the trick shot artists were getting too much attention compared to the other pool player that we didn't deserve it. So I've always tried to bridge that gap a little bit, and uh, you know, the way I did that was creating uh, more technical shots a little bit that the pool player themselves can, you know, kind of find themselves into it. Now, as far as the pool trick shot artists, you know, we have very small tournaments. So um, especially when I first came in, I just say the jealousy was not that great, but I do have a few, a few very good friends that uh, especially, you know, Hall of Famers that uh, were understanding what was going on and that have been supportive to me. And uh, I mean, now it's a, it's a little better, but there was an entire generation that was really against me. And uh, it's, uh, it was kind of tough to, uh, to take. Mm. Now, your resume is incredibly impressive with now 11 Guinness World Records. If you can, would you please list them for my listeners? Half the time, don't remember half of them, but I can try. So one of them is for the highest jump one-handed. One of them is the most ball potted over an obstacle in a minute, which is something like 75 ball is pretty ridiculous, actually. Have the longest spin, which is 40 something plus seconds. So to just make the cue ball spin and turn, the most uh, curve shot in a minute, the fastest way to jump 15 balls, the fastest way to jump 15 balls one-handed, most trick shot made in 24 hours, which was really fun, actually. This was a good COVID project. Right? There's a couple other like, kind of gimmicky, like a uh, longest cue, so I had to, you know, break and run was a, a queue that was just phenomenally long. And the rest, uh, 
man, I can't even remember. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I have to look, you know, but it, it just, it, yeah. <laughs> the one I saw, the longest pool queue, that was, I tried to watch a lot of the videos, the 17 foot one. How yeah, the hell something like you, that. How the hell do you find a 17 foot queue? That's incredible. Well, that was the funny story about this one, right? So I did the first TV show in Italy for Guinness World Record and I just crushed the guy I was against and I crushed the old record. So Guinness kind of liked it. They're like, oh, we got to do more, right? So they had a, a thing in Vegas and they, they wanted to record a little side, uh, side stuff for me. So I was like, great, you know, that's awesome. So they gave me a list of records. And so one of them is the longest pool key, which was pretty long already, but I had a sponsor back then uh, that I, I told him, it's like, hey, I'll just give you the record. You know, it's just basically you. And I was thinking, I just got to present the cue, shoot a ball with it and be done, right? So comes the day of the record, this cue doesn't even fit in the pool room. It's that long, right? And they're like, oh, no, you got to make seven balls plus the eight ball. I'm like, what? Like, how is this going to? So the whole thing was bent. And I was, it was just actually, it was a kind of a nightmare. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. Like, no, no, you have to make seven balls plus the eight. I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back at your world records, which is the one that stands out to you as the most difficult to have achieved? Mm, the most difficult. Probably the, the, you know what? It's, it's hard to say really, because some of them are really to the edge now and uh, like the longest spin, you know, it can still be changed, but I mean, people says, Oh, I can beat you, whatever, but they'll change the felt or they'll put something on the cue ball. But you know, you know, in, in a legit record for the Guinness world record, you got a specific set of, of parameters. So once those stay the same, or well, it won't really move, but if they move, then we can, you know, upgrade it. Uh, the highest jump has been uh, kind of an up and down. I've had it. Somebody else got it. I had it. Somebody else got it, whatever. And I think right now I don't currently have it, so I'll have to go back at it. But it just got so high, and it's such a damaging shot that it just, you know, you go and you just murder the table every time. So, and I, I had a queue that I was specially built for it, basically, and it's broken in pieces now. So I need to rebuild the queue. So it's got a lot to it. But you know, if, eventually I'll, I'll I'll do it again. But I think my favorite out of all of them was the 24 hour, um, the 24 hours one because. Uh, just a personal challenge and it was COVID time. So can't travel, can't really do anything. Bored to death compared to my, what I usually do. You know I mean? You're talking about somebody that travels, you know, a hundred times a year plus. So that was a, that was a very fun thing. And uh, it was very, um, I, I don't know. It was very cool to push the envelope and I still kind of want to beat that one, even though it's <laughs> going to be tough as well. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like I said, there were great videos of you on YouTube. The one that I liked was the one you recorded with the Guinness team. How much fun were those memories of you actually getting the team out there and doing those actual tricks? Yeah, I mean, they, they've always been great to me. I, I can't, you know, I really can't say anything. It's, uh, it's. I'll tell you one thing, though. It's the first one was amazing. You know, you have a Guinness World Record. It's like, oh, my God, childhood dream, right? It's unlocking something, you know, you're in the book. I mean, it's it's pretty special. Past 10, you're like, okay, whatever. It's just not a record now. It's it's a little different, but uh, no, it's a it's a very solid, uh, very solid company, and uh, yeah, they they really do their job well. But I think nothing else compared to um, to doing it live on TV. That's just my favorite thing because you know you have the public and everything with it. It's it's just pretty awesome. Okay, Deval Nation, we're gonna go ahead and take a small break right here, but we'll be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Florian Venom Kohler. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths. You know, Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of the show, and we will be right back. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. 
Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove Podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own, with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP, 600 Miles, on all streaming platforms right now. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, Use promo code DUBAL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, this is Patrick Baker, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. Check out my new single, Sorrow, available on all major streaming platforms. And you can check my site out at patrickbakermusic.com. Don't leave my upper
Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 118 of The Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with the founder of Venom Trick Shots, 11-time Guinness World Record holder, Florian Venom Kohler. You're sponsored by the American Pool Players Association and various other notable companies. How important have your sponsors been to your continued success? Well, so, you know, if you go back at the beginning uh, when, you know, I was really nobody. And I, so it, it's I'm actually a licensed optometrist. You know, that's what I, you know, basically studied for a living. And so I was uh, I was like 21, something like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this job, but I just finished school doing this job. I don't really like it. It's, it's all right. You know, it's not great. Uh, granted that my boss probably wasn't the best one either, but it doesn't really matter. And I'm starting to do tournaments and here I come, you know, I have to go and sometimes literally spend a weekend in the U.S. to do a tournament and come back or show, you know, somewhere else. And like, man, this could almost make a living. Right. And when you first start working, you don't make a lot of money anyway. So I already have this. So I took a gamble and I was like, you know, I told my parents, like, hey, give me six months, do whatever I want. I'm going to travel, see if I can make a living out of it. If I can't, don't worry, I'll come back. I have whatever it takes anyway. I'm, I'll be fine. You know, if I don't come back. That means I'm doing fine. Right. So I went there, uh, went to California, rented the, you know, shitty, shitty room in, in a crappy house and crappy neighborhood. And, you know, started to do shows here and there, a little bit of a, you know, pool tournament as many as possible, the weekly tournament, a little gambling here and there, you know, whatever you do as a pool player. And, um, then, you know, started to get in touch with more sponsors and like the American pool player station, for example, EPA has got the biggest, uh, pool league in the country. And, probably the world actually at this point, not probably, surely the world. And uh, so then I get access to this database of, of players basically and, and league operators, right? And that basically changed my entire career because you go from being, you know, survival on a daily basis to actually being able to schedule gigs here and there, like solid stuff. And, you know, if you can schedule 10, 12 gigs a year that are guaranteed, that's a pretty sizable jump in terms of income if you're just you know trying to get your head out out of the water right so from there i had this get a little money from them as well you know here and there uh then on top of that you can start selling merchandise to the show so you can really double dip on the income you know from there just uh yeah i was able to really make a living out of it so very very important step was that it would have been very tough i think Mm. now i grew up in the uk and i moved to the united states in, in the 90s the game of pool is significantly different on both continents which version of the game do you feel it's easier to play um you know that's that's the old topic that we don't want to get in with the english people especially <laughs> so I've, I've been there you know i've been to sheffield actually i've done a few shows for the the snooker world championship which by the way is amazing the arena and the atmosphere out there right and uh, this 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 thing in in the uk that pool american pool is just an inferior game and it really is not. So I've played all the games in the world. And you ask me actually which one is the hardest. The hardest to me is what we call three cushions. So no pocket, 10-foot table. I got to make three rail before you hit a contact. Uh, Karam, I don't know if you're familiar with it. 
but that that is basically to me the hardest game. Snooker is very tricky. You have to obviously aim well, whatever. But it's a much more predictable game than pool. Pool's got a lot of uh, luck factor involved, and mentally it's probably the hardest one because you know after the break you can have the worst luck in the world, just have crappy shots after crappy shots. Not much you can do. Sometimes destiny is against you, right? And you just have no luck. And you can't control much. I mean, the break, as much as we want to control it, is still a random thing. As far as English pool goes, you know, the table is smaller, so it's actually not that hard to aim. The pockets are smaller, but the game is also much more predictable as well, uh, more safety play into it. So, I mean, I like all kind of games, but in my opinion, American pool is probably the hardest mentally. That's why I don't play pool at high level. It's just too hard of a game. I mean, I, you know, I love my trick shots. I love to do shows, but, you know, I go there, I play a show. If I, if I do well, I get paid. If I don't do well, I get paid as well. If you play pool, you know, you play well and you may not have a shot. I mean, find me another sport in the world when you could play in a final world championship, you lose the lag, and then you can lose seven rocks in a row and go home without even playing. I mean, crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So with your status, do you get people from all over the world contact you wanting you to mentor them? Um, yeah, I do have quite a bit of, of requests. Uh, mainly show to me, but uh, we have more and more people coming in as far as lesson goes. It's just not a side that I try to advertise as much as possible because I just I'm so busy anyway. But, you know, if somebody asks me, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I, I don't mind doing it. I actually like it. Much easier to teach normal pool than trick shots. Um, but, you know, it, it happens. And, uh, you know, I'll have all kind of all kind of background, all kind of country, all kind of uh, all, all kind of level, really. So it's very interesting. Mm. Uh, you have brought your wife into the art of trick shots. How did you two meet and how open was she to the idea of learning from you? Uh, <laughs> so that, that's uh, very I was doing a lot of shows, traveling around, you know, had a lot of fun. As a guy, you know, it was it was very interesting. I mean, I remember, you know, it was uh, especially in China. At some point, it was very big since you know that video got you know hacked and you know so many people saw it. Uh, so you went there and it was just uh, you know you went to do a show and you had like ten emails saying, "Hey, can you marry me?" Whatever. It was crazy stuff, right? Like I don't even know how like full celebrity would do it. It was just insane. And uh, so yeah, I was doing a show in Vegas and I uh, met her there and. Uh, yeah, she wanted my autograph, wanted her phone number, and that sort of kind of went this way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just it just clicked, and uh, she was already playing pool a little bit, so it was kind of a natural, um, a natural fit there, and went from you know kind of just put her her in the video as a prop per se, right, to actually teaching her a few things, and then we realized that there was no girl trick shot artist really that had a serious level. I mean, there's a few, but you know nothing really fancy, so. I basically taught her a few, uh, maybe 40, 50 shots, solid shot that you can do a show. And uh, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, when I'm busy or whatever, and there's no, uh, there's no way I can do the show and, or they want a girl that's, you know, I'll send her like, Hey, you know, I got somebody for you. Maybe, uh, you know, it doesn't have the resume that comes with it, but she knows what to do. And she's done a few times. So that's awesome. So that being said, how important has social media been to your success and how hard is it to keep up with social media love hate relationship for me i you know i don't have a choice i mean you obviously built me up but uh, it's also a hate relationship because it just takes so much time of your life and it's just so impossible to control right it's something that you grasp sometimes and then it goes away right i mean i've cycled all through different you know cycles basically of the of the social media i mean it started with the short fast paced video 
that were you know kind of crappy quality because nobody had bandwidth then went to the high quality short fast pace you know red bull style which i excelled i thought it was my favorite thing to do became very high budget because cameras became better or whatever so it almost made no sense to do them but as a advertising avenue it was fantastic because you just you know you put a video down you're just made a great video puts on youtube puts the link on facebook on and whatever and it just kind of you know you really were able to to um use the audience as much as possible and then it went to the next cycle the next cycle was the vlog and the longer content i hated that because that's just not me and i i didn't feel like and I, it's a big word but i was like it felt like prostitution to me to go and do vlogging it was just like i don't want to do that you know, i don't want to sell my soul for it so i didn't follow that and then from there it kind of went a little down you know what i mean it was just I refused to follow the model, and I'm like, man, actually, you do have to follow the model. So I, I just kept doing my thing. I mean, I'm still doing fine, you know, with it. But um, now the next cycle, this new cycle here, which is all the short content, I like a little better. Although I'm not 100% agreeing either because it's all algorithm based, and it doesn't really take care of who's got the most talent and who's got the most creativity. It's just somebody does a shot. 10 people copy it, the algorithm register, and one guy is going to get the glory for it. And I, I think it's pretty stupid. I mean, in my opinion, trick shots are about creativity, creating, you know, getting a new shot out there. And I've invented so many, but all the kids now just copy my stuff, give me no credit, and that's pretty much it. I'm like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's interesting, but that's just the next cycle for social media, you know, and this is what it is. So who knows what's going to be the next one. I'll tell you I missed the TikTok boat. I did not believe in it, but I understand it now. So the next cycle, it's going to be interesting. You know, maybe I'll try to follow it one more time, but I think uh, I do have a shelf life. And, you know, 15 years in social media, is like dinosaur. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible, actually. But uh, I've really seen it all from the good to the bad, you know, from when you used to make a lot of money to now when you really can't make a lot, except if you have, you know, gazillion views or or like a special niche that really makes you a ton of money. So it's, uh, yeah, love, hate, still post every day though. So at this point, every day on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and uh, YouTube. So short content, sometimes it works great. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't get a lot of traction, but, you know, obviously posting more than, uh, I think it's probably like, I'm probably average 400 posts a year on, on uh, just the shorts and uh, on Facebook itself, posting about two to three times a day. So crazy. Yeah. So, so for my listeners who don't know, tell us about your live shows. What exactly are your spectators treated to? So that's probably my favorite thing out of uh, out of the whole uh, you know aspect I do. I mean, I love. Don't get me wrong. I love doing videos and I love to be myself in my room and just creating new shots. That's probably one of my favorite thing too. Nobody bothers me. I'm happy. But uh, as far as the live show goes, it's probably the most fun. So you go to you know anywhere really it goes from doing a small bar which uh, I have one, for example, uh, this Friday coming in, in in a very small city. I don't know if they have 500 people living there, right? But, you know, it could be a crappy table, small bar. It doesn't really matter um, to, I mean, the craziest I've done is, you know, a TV show for 100 million people in China. It was just nuts, right? Or a show for the Prince of Dubai or president or stuff like that, right? So it's really broad um but it's uh it's fun yeah so i i go there usually i um uh i i do about 30 to 40 shots probably involve the people a lot uh and it's you know because it's live you get to see you know the tries that misses and make but 
it's uh, it's edging on a on a on a comedy one man show basically because because you are missing you've got to have jokes you've got to have something and out every time you got to make sure you can entertain people it's about an hour long and uh, after that usually it just you know kind of finishes uh, sell some stuff sign autograph take pictures and uh, you know go up to the next one so but uh, yeah very fun and definitely my favorite thing because I get to involve the audience and you know because it's in bar the more drunk it is the more they heckle you so it's awesome because I get heckled them back so it's like it's a very uh, very feisty funny exchange and uh, you know people just love it so that's awesome so if someone's listening to this show right now and it's like I want to get into doing trick shots in pool what would be the best way for them to get started? Well, the, the best way to get started is, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just really what I did probably, you know, just look online and find videos. I mean, when I first started, there was not a lot of content. Now you got so much content. So there's tutorials everywhere. And there's a few books that you can buy. And uh, really it's all about having fun and, and trying to practice, you know, and it's to me, there's still, you know, I still take trick shot as um, it, it's, it's, Pool is not just quite trick shot. It's actually what we call artistic pool. So it's more like a blank piece of paper is the table and you got to create something new on it, like an artist, right? And that's my favorite thing out of it is because there's such an unlimited field of possibility that it's so, you know, crazy. If you just do trick shots, whatever, you got to create something new, but it's not necessarily the point. You're just trying to make something crazy happen, right? But artistic pool is about creating something. And I think this is the essence of it. And if people really can understand it, then that's just, it all never ends. The best, uh, it's the best entertainment you can ever have. <laughs> that's awesome. So what's next for you? What's next? Hard to say, uh, you know, as mentioned, you know, the social media thing, it's, uh, it's very interesting because every time I'm on the edge, I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm not doing it next, but then I still do it. So it's like, who knows? So I think, uh, at this point, I'm still going to cycle through, uh, so I'm still going to keep doing and I have probably another five years. What I've always said to myself is whenever I see some kid that's better than me, technically, it's probably the time to retire. But unfortunately, at this time, it's not happened yet, which is actually weird because it's nearly 20 years. It's like, how? You know what I mean? Like it should be somebody should have caught up by now and really doing something that I can't do. But it's uh, it's not the case. So I'm going to keep doing it until I have nothing else to really offer, in my opinion. So at least for that side. Live shows, I don't think I'll ever stop. I may, you know, choose, pick and choose where I want to go or maybe raise my price less or higher. Um, but, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, especially after COVID, I realized this is my favorite thing to do. Uh, I don't like the traveling necessarily out of it, but the exchange and, and the show, it, it's really positive. So it's very fun. Uh, on top of that, I also have, so the, I also own the APA, American Pool Player Association Pool League in Vegas. So the entire county. So currently take care of about 850 players that play weekly pool. So that's a lot tournament, maybe about 40 events a, uh, a year that we got to run. So that keeps me very much busy. Uh, a lot of, a lot of organization to do. Uh, on top of that, we just uh, decided to buy a trophy business and uh, a little bit of real estate. So I think it's just kind of all mixed it up. So it's, um, yeah, I, I, who knows what's really going to happen. I think it's just going to be, I think the more we can become comfortable, the more I can just pick and choose what I want to do. And I think this is really just the future. Is there not a big video coming? Maybe. Uh, the problem is budgets are so, uh, they become so high that it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing because I also refuse, like I said, to, to cheapen myself. 
So I don't want to do just cheap shit. It's just not me. So if I do something, I want to do it very well. The next level is, is very tough because I don't know if you've seen the last few ones we did, but I mean, we moved the pool table at the airport in Vegas, at the Mayweather Boxing Club. We did one uh, in Red Rock uh, in the Valley of Fire. So, I mean, all this had a cost and it's, uh, it's not easy to top it. How many pool tables do you go through? A pool table, not so many. Uh, cloth, however, every three to six months has to be changed. Uh, mm. That just there's no way around it. Uh, it's to the point that it's uh, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> crazy. So as we enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question. That is, when you aren't playing pool, what do you like to do to relax and unwind? Well, not playing pool. That's hard. I don't do a lot. Uh, not playing pool. Everything is almost based on playing pool in uh, in my life, which is crazy thing about it. But uh, uh, what else? So, well, I do uh, I do actually fencing, which is uh, very cool. I don't have any bruises to show you really today, maybe a few, but uh, uh, so I, um, that was funny, interesting. I, I, I picked this up um, a couple years ago. I just needed a new out. I've been, uh, I've been, a, I've been, I've done judo before, black, I'm black belts in judo. So I've done that. Unfortunately with pool, it became a little bit too dangerous. It's um, you know, a higher level, it becomes a little, uh, a little tricky and I'm too competitive to just do it for fun. So it just doesn't work with me. So I'm like, I gotta pick something else that's a little more uh, safe. So I decided to go for fencing, which I thought was safer. Ends up, it's really not that safe. So I, I messed up my right shoulder pretty badly. So in between pool and that, so I decided to six months ago, pick it back up lefty. So now I'm relearning everything left-handed and it's finally catching up basically to uh, my previous level, which is nice, but Again, it's just a fiber, competitive fiber in me. I just, I just can't help. I got to do something. I got to do well. Uh, and other than that, I just uh, ride my motorcycle, and it's pretty much it. No time, really. No rest for the weekend here. Every day, you know, start. I start pretty late on my day, maybe ten, but I go till two or three or four in the morning. So, and that's every day. So, twelve-hour workday is a normal thing for me. Hmm. I had uh, Kamali Thompson on my show um, about well a year or so ago. USA world champion fencer. And she told me awesome. all about the, yeah. about the show. It's, it's an incredible sport. I'm, I'm very envious of you. I'd love to try that sometime. You, you should. It's uh, it's very obscure, right? I think for people in America, especially, it's a very obscure thing. In France, it's kind of a national sport. So it's a little different. So I had a, a little bit of background to it, but I never did it for, you know, like seriously. But there's so much to it. And you think it's just sword fighting. It's got nothing to really do with it. It's a lot of cardio. The technique is is uh, incredible, and on top of that, it's about building habits. They are completely unnatural, which is a very strange thing, right? Most sports, you go to the natural habit. If you have talent, it helps a lot. This doesn't seem like talent does a lot. It's a lot of work, uh, and obviously, if you know if you're better physically, it does help. But it's uh, it's really not uh, not just it, and it's it's absolutely it's truly fun. But it does hurt a lot more than people would think. <laughs> <laughs> So what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? So online, pretty much all you got to do is Google Venom Trick Shots. Uh, so venomtrickshot.com is my website. Uh, usually pretty updated. Uh, got a good, nice store there. Uh, all the bio and everything in there, the latest videos. Uh, if not, Facebook, Venom Trick Shots Official, one word. Instagram, at Venom Trick Shots. TikTok, at Venom Trick Shots Official as well. YouTube, same thing, at Venom Trick Shots. So it's uh, it's been there for a while, so I got all the nice handles now. So just an S at the end, and that's all good. <laughs> nice. So I end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? 
uh, to the people of Earth. That's tough. You know, I would say pool is probably one of the best sport in the world. And it's not even an exaggeration. It actually is definitely one of the most played sport in the world. Believe it or not, actually, it's number three in the world. Uh, most people have played pool, then played uh, hockey or baseball or anything like that, right? Nothing really to it. But uh, the thing is, I think in this time and age, it's probably one of the best sport because there is, you know, you don't need any special physical ability. You can be shorter, you can be tall, doesn't matter. You can be fat, you can be skinny, any races. So I feel like it's the perfect modern sports and it really teaches you so much. I mean, mentally, it's just one of the hardest game in the world and there's so much to learn and there's something utterly fascinating about the way the balls are moving that, you know, works for the same as a six years old or 90 years old. So, you know, you find, you want to have fun, find something a little different, play pool, man. That's all it is. <laughs> awesome. Thank you ever so much for taking the time to come on the show today. I honestly, leading up to this, I told everybody and they're like, oh my God, that's so, you know, so unique for your show and what have you. I've been looking forward to this so much and you have excelled in every, my every expectation. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's cool. And just like that, Devon Nation, we come to the end of episode 118. I want to thank Florian again for coming on the show. Truly one of the most interesting people I've ever had the privilege of speaking with. And like I said in the interview, go on YouTube or any of his social media channels and you will see some incredible tricks that he has achieved. Some even defy logic, but again, folks, absolutely incredible. Okay, a few housekeeping items before we close up shop for today. We are still enjoying our partnership with T Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there, and we have everything with our logo on it, including magnet stickers and mugs. Plus, we selected T-shirts we wanted in our store, and we have everything from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Pride shirts, Norm McDonald, and so much more. <laughs> you can't go with further ends of the spectrum than that. So go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, and go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll take it to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank TeePublic again for being such great partners with us. Have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope so. So if you have, please go hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling froggy, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us. So on behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, it takes more effort to frown than it does to smile. I know 2023 has started off a little strange for some of us, but let's all try to make the world around us a little bit happier this week. No star, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.